Welcome to the Mobile Games Playbook in association with Liftoff. Join us as we uncover the latest trends in user acquisition, monetization, and mobile game design. Hello and welcome to the Mobile Games Playbook. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. This is the podcast all about what makes a great mobile game what is and isn't working for mobile game designers, and all of the latest trends. I'm your host, John Jordan, and joining me today, we have uh, two familiar faces. So we have uh, Erno Kieske, Chief Game Analyst at uh, Game Refinery by Liftoff. How's it going, Erno? Going great. How are you, John? Good, good. Absolutely. And uh, also Wilhelm Walterleyden, Chief Game Analyst at Game Refinery by Liftoff. How's it going, Wilhelm? Uh, it's going very well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> so in today's episode, uh, we are talking about live events, which is something we have spoken about many times before, but we have a particular sort of angle that we are talking about. So going to have a bit of a setup in terms of the impact of Apple's app tracking transparency framework and how that sort of uh, impacted live events. And the particular sort of context for that is Game Refinery's live events tracker, which is uh, now allowing uh, developers to sort of get a, an idea about what's going on, the, the big trends, and hopefully get some ideas about their own strategies for their own live events. So that's the um, setup for what we're talking about today. So let's sort of start off um, just, a, I guess, a, a sort of an overview. App tracking transparency framework. So what's that? And, and how's, I guess, more importantly, how, how's that impacting live events? Well, of course, like, well, it's been a topic that <laughs> been talked to death pretty much because for like last past few years. But, you know, that's you know, one of the key kind of like uh, igniters of like even increased talk on live events and, you know, engaging your users and monetizing your existing users. So naturally, you know, the changes on the like the UA landscape and the acquiring of new users, scaling new games, tougher than ever. So if, for example, if we look at the like the top charts at the moment, like uh, there are fewer and fewer, you know, actually new games. Now, actually, the past few weeks been very interesting because we have seen really like big launches like with the Monopoly Go, that has an IP. And then uh, last week, also the new game from the Mihojo, so the company behind Genshin Impact came with the new game, Honkai Star Red. Scale, both of those games have scaled like right away, like to the very top of the charge, but super rare occasion nowadays anymore to see those. So tougher than ever, scale new games. So naturally, if we think about that, if that's tougher, then what you want to do, you if you have your, you know, users in your game, you want to keep them in your game. You want to keep them engaged, keep them monetized. So, and what is the, the of course, the natural kind of like a way to go is to live operate the game even better, bring more stuff, be be better in that. And if we think about like, you know, live operating, like first of all, of course, like it's a big, big concept and there's so many kind of like areas, what it, what it in, entails. So from just, you know, we are talking about service-based games. So of course, everything like from the, like level like content updates your match tree you need to bring levels that's part of the live ops you need to bring new features you need to bring uh you're playing an rpg you need to bring new characters or you name it or you name it so that's of course uh, like a massive part of the live ops but i think like for today's discussion uh, our focus is going to be mostly on like live events and like the li live event kind of like a how different companies look at live events and how they how they utilize them in different different ways how many how many types of live events do we have? Do you have a list of how many different types? Yeah, so of course, like quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It depends also like how how you look at it and so on. But based on now, like you mentioned, we have our new uh, like live event tracker tool in the Game Refinery service, 
And then, of course, when we were building that, we had to kind of like brainstorm quite a lot on like how to divide, how to categorize, how to build taxonomy for different events that also work like from genre to genre and so on, because the genres differ so much based on kind of like what kind of events they are running and so on. So not an easy task for sure. But if we like start to think about it on a higher level and how I think about like live live events, first of all, I would maybe put them in like three layers. So like the first layer are all those kind of events that support your core gameplay loop. So of course you need to have a great core gameplay loop, which is already engaging. But then you can build some kind of events that support that. And there are we're going to go through some like various ways that you can do that. But like something that incentivizes you to more engage with the just the core gameplay loop. That is the main core of the game. Play more of the actual game, so to speak. By giving these like a shorter period of like a limited time incentives to play the actual core gameplay of the games. And then kind of like how I think about it, the second layer is these kind of like events that are not directly supporting the core gameplay, but are offering actually something unique and something new. Usually they're like indirectly then connected to the rewards. But what I mean by that is that, for example, Matt's tree gets an event where there's like separate event levels. So you're not playing the main core gameplay, uh, more like uh, progression levels that you usually play but there are actually separate levels uh, that you're playing. Or let's say it's a shooter game and then there's a separate playing mode that you're playing. So you're not playing the usual playing mode, but it gives you something totally, totally separate. And then, yeah, that is kind of like interconnected usually through the rewards, but it's something that maybe I would say kind of like usually a little bit more bigger, uh, some kind of gameplay modes, maybe mini games, stuff like that. So it's not just an extra incentive to participate and engage in the core gameplay loop, but it, it gives something kind of like an extra on uh, outside of the core gameplay loop. And then, of course, the third layer that those are kind of like the engaging factors. And then comes the third layer, which is naturally the monetization part. So like you need to have, of course, like these two are the kind of like a key engaging factors and key things that you participate as a player. And then naturally on top of that, you can use different types of monetization factors and monetization layers. And that can also be thought about in a little bit like uh, different ways. You can think about it as a, like a direct monetization, which is then naturally like bundles and, you know, monetizing, whether it's the event connected somehow to the event or then otherwise it's your economy, you're offering something for a limited time and so on and so on. Or then of course you can think about it as like indirect monetization. So like I thought about like the events that support the core gameplay loop in let's say match street that you have a task mission or like a, let's say a win streak event, then that that's not directly monetized, but it's indirectly monetizing as it gives this kind of like a indirect connection to your monetization features and so on. But I would say, well, that's how I would kind of like think about uh, like very on a high level, like the three three layers from like support the core gameplay loop, this side mode, side side kind of like activities, and then on top of those, then comes the monetization. Yeah, I think next we would should probably like go a bit deeper into like looking at this this each three these of these three uh, like high level categories and. Well, 
let's start with the core loop uh, supporting categories, the first one that, that Erno mentioned. The most common, let's start with the most common, uh, actually, event type that we have seen now that we have been tracking. And we are actually tracking uh, almost 80 top crossing games. So the most common event type are these task events. Uh, and of course, there are, you know, <laughs> lots of different versions and, and, and uh, implementations of how you can implement the task event. But they range from these really simple uh, these solo missions uh, and, and also so there's, you know, co-op missions with guilds and, and random players are pretty common as well. But the idea is always the same. So you either do some solo or those co-op missions and they are almost always related to playing the core loop of the game. In match three, they can have you playing the levels, you know, the match three levels of the game. Uh, in in, in mid-core RPG, they can have you, for example, participate in this new mode or, or collect some material. Simple tasks like that that, you know, incentivize you to, uh, you to play the uh, core gameplay. Whatever it is in the in 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 in, in that specific game, uh, and as uh, and as I mentioned, you know they are really common. So majority actually of the games of the almost eighty games that we are currently tracking, majority of them uh, uses these task events. And then some examples. Um, one goes super deep here into these uh, actual specific specific implementation examples. But uh, Lily's Garden is, for example, if we look at the match trees, Lily's Garden is a great example of a game that utilizes a lot of task events. They have basically almost on a day-to-day basis some kind of uh, task event going on uh, on the weekdays. So from Monday to, to Friday, almost almost every week, uh, there's uh, these from one one day to two day uh, lasting sprint events. So it's either always Sunflower Sprint or this Zinnia Sprint. And basically the idea is to, you know, have you play these normal mastery levels of the game to then grow this flower. And then when the event ends, you get the rewards based on the amount of levels you actually completed uh, during the event. And on the, then in the weekends, there's usually this uh, beginner's luck tasks uh, with the with basically almost the same idea, but there's a small initiative. Actually, you're getting more points for uh, if you uh, complete the level on your first try. But otherwise, the idea is the same. But basically, on every day there is this kind of simple task event that incentivizes you to play the normal levels and progress in the game. Uh, and then if we for look at the completely different genre, so for example, if we go to the, the RPG genre, Diablo Immortal. They have a bit different kind of implementation. They also, on almost every single day, there's almost some kind of task event going on. But they have actually this, like this longer uh, length, so from three days to even two weeks, lengthening these kind of like non-recurring tasks, task events that do not, you know, they don't recur in this daily basis like they do in Lily's Garden. Uh, and usually. The idea is really simple again. Have you complete tasks, do something in the game, uh, kill the center monsters in the game, or for example, when they pretty much always nowadays, when they introduce a new mode or new feature to the game, they have a task event uh, linked to that, which has you participate in that mode. And there's almost pretty much one of these kind of events almost active on each day simultaneously. All right, uh, some more. So <laughs> <laughs> lots of categories to go. Yeah, so so like of course we don't need to go maybe so in depth on on on, on the like the individual ones but kind of like a given idea on 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 kind of like a different ways to implement. So naturally like evolvement from the like the simple task ones so you can do it 
in any kind of ways. But like, of course, the battle pass being being the classic one, you know, acting as a like progression vector and retention feature, but also for monetization. And naturally, it is also built in kind of like a in sort of the kind of like a way that it supports the core gameplay. Whether it's either it's by the task systems or the like the direct like XP through the levels or, or so on and so on. About 70% of the kind of like top games nowadays using it all across the all across the genres. And interestingly, also like this, there's a lot of vari- variation on like on the cadence that you can uh, use the battle pass with. So like there are about 15% of the battle passes that we, we've been seeing uh, or like on a weekly basis. Then from like 18 to 21 days, about 27%. Easily the most common one are like the 22 to 31 days. So about the monthly cadence, that's the common uh, battle pass length. About half of them actually are, are on that length. But there are also even be like longer length battle passes, like over a month once, like 12% of the game. So and there is definitely also like one very, very common uh, way to build this type of a, like a core loop supporting uh, event type. And then, of course, you know, those two battle pass and task events being, the, you know, two of the most common core loop supporting ones, but then more like more, more rare ones, more a bit more specific ones. For example, solo leaderboard competitions are, are a great example of some games utilizing these to differ from the competition. So the idea is really simple to task missions uh, that I mentioned earlier but the, but then the, it brings the competition element to it so you're competing in a leaderboard uh, against other other players or together with other players against other players so for example guilds for for the rewards and this you know the idea is basically almost the same as in task missions but there is the competitive leaderboards uh, leaderboards added to it uh, and of course there can be you know different ways similar with task events there's different ways to implement this sort of leaderboard competitions for example this in some match trees there's this race event so while in a normal leaderboard event uh, the rewards basically the players who has collected the most most points at the end of the event in race events uh, the player who reaches a certain point milestone actually wins the uh, event instantly so there's a bit different kind of idea there and about 50 actually about 50 percent the mar- market are, are are utilizing this so it's 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 somewhat common somewhat common uh, as well uh and then some examples well kings candy crush games they utilize these a lot and also royal match match as well so compared to other match trees uh kings candy crush games and royal match they really differ differ from the competition uh, sorry from the competition with these uh with these uh, leaderboard competition events. Uh, and also, if you look at the mid-core then, well, actually, the most commonly used, uh, or the game that uses this the mo- the, easily the most, is actually Rage Shadow Legends. On, on an average basis, the game has three different uh, tournaments, tournament events active simultaneously, basically, which are these solo leaderboard competitions. And it's actually kind of interesting way of sort of bringing this kind of like non-direct PvP in a kind of like this more casual format. So, and it's interesting that Raid is also utilizing this while, of course, it has this PvP as well. And then there's one more. So this is a bit more niche, but of course, a huge part of some games live ops. So these boost events. So... These are super simple events. So the idea is that they boost something in the game, some aspect of the game for a certain period, such as cold generation in, in for example, Forex games or battle pass progression in some games or building generation. And Rush Game Supercell 
they use these a lot across their whole portfolio. So from heyday to these class games. And also actually uh, the most Pokemon Go's, the most common event type are these boost events. So they're basically their whole, almost their whole life is uh, based around these, these boost events. Uh, they run these three month long seasons uh, that boost the uh, possibilities of getting these certain Pokemon types. So this is basically used to keep, you know, to keep the gameplay fresh and keep the collection aspect fresh. And there's always, in each month, each season, there's this new Pokemon sort of that are kind of like boosted and then you have better chances of getting them or, or you can get, get, get those during that uh, season. Good stuff. So, I mean, generally, you say you're sort of tracking tracking these these eighty games at the moment. How many of these sort of events are most games doing? Um, I mean, is there any sort of patterns around that? Yeah, so uh, of course, uh, depends on genre to genre, like type to type. But like uh, like uh, Will have mentioned, especially these ones, the most common ones, uh, like task task events, it's pretty much like seventy eighty percent of of all the games have at least some kind of utilization utilization of that. Battle Pass, like I mentioned, about 70%. So already, like, so many, like, big part of them. Like, the, the competitive leaderboard stuff, about 50% of them uh, are using it. So, so especially these, uh, like, are kind of, like, the very, very kind of, like, most most common ones. And and that kind of, like, uh, like I mentioned, if I think about the two categories of events, these, like, the, the core loop supporting events, they are usually, of course, they are... In terms of resources as well, if you think about the boost events as well, as, as an example, it's a kind of like a lower resource type of an event to do than than like a new mini game or new you know gameplay mode with a like a event loop or like new limited time mode or or so on. So easily like the more more common one, uh, I would say. And do you think because one thing that sort of strikes me so always with these sort of things is is I, I guess it ends up being a temptation to sort of as you have more of these sort of uh, events in different games, and then some developers will just sort of have a little bit of an approach, sort of let's try everything, and and then I wonder at what point you get sort of diminishing returns. I mean, obviously it won't be as you know as obvious as like if you have. I mean, if you had ten events, that would probably be just overwhelming in terms of the kind of user experience. But but um, I just sort of wonder because you're sort of no matter how you're doing these these events, obviously the sort of the end result is you know retention and engagement of players, and at some level monetization, and those things are sort of fixed. You know, aspects. Obviously, you people might be playing multiple games, but there's a certain level at which you can't. People can't spend any more or engage anymore, or, or they're, they're, you start to get sort of um, becomes much harder after a certain level to get them to sort of play much more. If they're playing like two hours a day to get them to play two and a half hours, it could be sort of sort of quite a lot. So, have you got any thoughts around that? Around sort of that? Yeah, uh, it's actually interesting. I was actually talking with one one developer, like not actually it was last week, and. Uh, we were talking about this discussion because it all, of course, it's like a topic that comes comes up, uh, and that was interesting that they said basically that very much you cannot because you always have that you know hardcore players and you th- think that oh that's this is gonna be like too much and then after all like they are still chewing out or chewing through the content and so on, but to be honest like what I would say this one is like it's so important to think like how you implement them so you don't just you know slap things on top of each other but actually if we think about like the best operators like uh you know let's say playrix for example how they do stuff uh, one example comes to my mind i've been using it in multiple times i think uh, already but like township how they operate and they have a lot of different like mini games and have other types of events they have battle passes guild wars all that stuff 
but everything is very cleverly interconnected. So it's not kind of like just feature or event on top of each other that are their own entities, so to speak, but they are actually a little bit interconnected, which gives kind of like a more reason to participate, for example, in the mini games that they have, as it's, it's connected to their battle pass system, it's connected to their guild, guild war system, and it like the ecosystem works more holistically than you know just slapping everything, every possible imaginable event uh, on top of on top of each other. Yeah, I think that kind of like connecting events and and like having these overarching things in the game especially if the if the if the live ops is and the, let's say you have a more complex game you have you have added lots of features and there's lots of events going on and lots of stuff having these kind of internet connections and stuff like that can make it you know way way less overwhelming i think like some games utilizing this what we like to call this overarching events i think that's that's a really great way like we think about for example top shooters like free fire they have massive amounts of events going on at the same time lots of content lots of everything but there's always basically all the events are connected with the same team so let's say there's like this christmas event that is consisting of multiple let's say there's task events there is the side gameplay modes limited time pvp modes but they're all interconnected and they're all also for the player as well it's much simpler because there's this simple kind of like cool event calendar that shows everything and everything is easy to find so that's you know for the for more, more casual players that's not that overwhelming but there's then there's lots of content for the more more hardcore players yeah and especially like also in, like on the casual side more and more common as well it's lots it's been like a very commonly used feature for now for a long time already it like became popular like two years ago but like these seasonal like collectible albums in some kind of form uh, what it means that you are collecting some, you know, items. Usually, the event lasts for a longer period of like two to three months. But as an example, June's Journey, a hidden objectives game, has a lot of like these core loop supporting events. Has also these side gameplay modes, uh, all that stuff. But then, then they introduced this like new event type called Memoirs, which is like a three month long collectible album. And then how you then like collect uh, these like memoirs into the collectible album is actually playing all the other events. So it kind of like the whole system kind of like uh, it's kind of like a glue between the events uh, and gives this kind of like a connection from event to event than just having this like gazillion you know individual small events. No, exactly. It has to be. You can't just have events for their own for their own sake. It has to be. You have to create some framework or some scaffolding around why people have played these events which is it i mean i guess that again that sort of goes back to these games becoming sort of much more complex in terms of all the resources you can collect and then and, and you know the live events have to be have a meaning around which sort of means that you the things you're collecting have to have meaning either in the core game or, or something around that and obviously collecting stuff in a game like june's journey really makes sense because it's sort of a because it is a, a hidden object game you sort of looking at objects all the time so collecting things like that sort of sort of, sort of makes sense which maybe wouldn't in, in other games um and in terms of sort of the the live event tracker what i mean obviously it's early days there but what are your sort of hopes around how that will help developers sort of get a feel for sort of what's going on and, and obviously help them sort of think about their own strategies yeah uh definitely so of course the idea of it of it is because we've been you know game as game finder we've been tracking games for a long long period of time and you know but our focus has been mainly on features and feature design. We have always had this kind of like an event date as well. We have had event implementations and so on, but the kind of like a cadence has been more like 
not kind of like on a daily basis. But if we think about these events nowadays and how much of these events there are and how much of things happening on a daily basis, and then like how long the different events are, what are the cadences, what, do they have frameworks, is there patterns uh, in terms of how they're running specific recurring events as an example and so on. So it's basically this kind of like a research tool that kind of like gives you a kind of like a fast pass to, you know, try to understand your competitors, try to understand, you know, get ideas on like what kind of events they are running. And then like even more importantly, like when they start to run a new thing, you know, they added a new event type. Okay, how how do they run it? Is it, you know, active all the time? Like is it daily event? Is it two to three day event? And then it comes from every Wednesday to Thursday, for example, and so on. So and then naturally you can benchmark that against the kind of like a performance estimate and then, you know, uh, analyze, analyze the competition. So that is definitely the kind of like the, the key, key kind of like a, like a value proposition from, from the tool. So going even deeper, going on a day, day-to-day basis, going on an event level when you are analyzing your competition that, okay, what are they doing? What kind of things they are uh, doing? Is there any interesting implementations on the different categories that we have and, and so on? Yeah, but what I personally really like about the tool is that it really helps you you to understand the the reasons behind this. Let's say, for example, this daily revenue spikes in these like super complex games with lots of going on, and then there's a massive revenue spike. Actually, really easy. For example, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes is a really great example. If you look at it at the, at the live ops tracker, you can very clearly see every time there's a massive revenue spice okay this event started they they've offered this bundle with it this worked really well there was a huge revenue spike compared to this other event and you can see these things and i think i see massive value in that that's a, that's a takeaway from the from the episode then go and check out the uh live event tracker and uh and, and make sense <laughs> of what's going on all, the, all these big spikes thanks uh erno and thanks uh, wilhelm for your uh expertise today thank you thank you and uh, thanks to you uh for listening or watching the podcast however you are consuming it every episode we are looking at the mobile game sector and all the dynamic stuff that's going on there so i hope you are finding this useful and i hope you will come back uh next time uh thanks for listening see you next time 